with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Welcome in Wicket's World here on a Friday. Merry Christmas on ESPN Des Moines. It is fantasy football playoff time. Fantasynation.com. Andy Hall from Laser 103.3. Uh, happy fantasy playoffs. I do. I know you're out of our league playoffs. I know you're out of the ESPN Des Moines laser playoffs, Andy, but I imagine you've made the playoffs in several other leagues. I have, and I'm off to a great start in those leagues thanks to Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. Yes! Fun fact about Puka. Did I ever tell you this? Drafted him. Had to dump him for Cade Otten because I drafted Mark Andrews and needed a tight end. But Andrews missed week one. So I'm like, I'll drop my last round pick. And that was a mistake. I got bounced in that league pretty early. <laughs> I did that in one of my leagues where I drafted uh, Devin A. Chan. Yeah. And it got to the point four weeks into the season where we had to cut down to like 17 on yeah. our roster. We went yeah. from 20 to 17. And A. Chan was one of those guys because at that <sighs> point he hadn't become Devin A. Chan. Yeah, he hadn't become that guy yet. And so we all learn from these mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our impatience gets the better of us. It happens. It's really the only dumb move, I think, in fantasy I've made this year. Wow. It's the only dumb one I've made. There have been some questionable ones, but, like, the dumbest one was dropping Puka Nakua for Cade Otten. I mean, you you alluded to our fantasy league here in-house yeah. and yeah. the fact that I was the number two seed pretty much all year long, mm-hmm. and then my team just took an absolute dump on me last week. So, unfortunately, I got bounced <laughs> in the first round to the seventh seed who I had just beaten the week prior. Hate so, that. Had I thrown the game to him in the final week of the season, it would have been a much easier matchup, I come to find out. So I did not plan that well. Don't they always say it's tough to beat a team twice in a row? That's what they always say, right, when you're you're playing a team. Uh, But I know you're alive. A lot of our listeners are alive in playoffs right now for the fantasy. It's always Because I'm in one of these situations where it's like, do I play Aaron Jones, who's a little, you know, questionable, but Carolina's defense is terrible. Whereas David Montgomery has been really, really good this year, but he's playing against Minnesota. So it's like, at what point do you go with play your studs or play the matchups at this point in the year? Well, matchups always matter, but so does everything else. Right. Um, <laughs> everything weather, matters. Weather, home versus away, <laughs> trends. How you know how is that defense they're facing trending in the last three games yeah. specifically? You yeah. always got to look at like recency. For, um, mm. In the case of Aaron Jones, for example, you're looking at the fact that A.J. Dillon is probably not part of the lineup, so yep. you think he's getting the lion's share of those carries. In that game specifically, Carolina is a much better pass defense than people give them credit for. I see both Jordan Love and his receivers having a little more difficulty mm-hmm. moving the ball, so maybe they will feed Aaron Jones. We just don't have much of a, a, a look at this year, I'm just, you know, as a, as a Packers fan, we've been wanting them to feed Aaron Jones for five years. I mean, the guy's got one of the top five all-time yard per carry averages, and he gets like 15 touches a game. It's like, man, but at this point in his career, I think he's 29 mm-hmm. or 30 yeah. and still effective if he's, if he's healthy. So maybe there's... Been. Maybe there's one of those things where they didn't let the tread, you know, completely wear off and they've been saving them. Who and knows? in terms Who of knows? that Detroit Minnesota matchup, I yeah. mean Minnesota is a much improved defense this year. Oh, However, yeah. you're looking at what Jameer Gibbs has been able to do, especially in the recent, you know, time in the in the last three weeks or so. David Montgomery's been a virtual non factor. So you're telling me go with Jones? I think Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. is probably your okay. pick. All right. Know? Got it. Got it. Uh but is the I've always subscribed to player studs. Absolutely player. And Aaron Jones, you know, when healthy is a better running back than David Montgomery. Are you a player studs guy or are you a matchups guy? I'm both, but okay. I, I think more so player studs because these are the guys that got you there. Yeah. And there's a reason why. I mean, they have faced difficult matchups throughout the course of a season and mm-hmm. helped you get to where you are now. So I'm typically more so a player studs guy, but matchups do matter. FantasyNation.com's Andy Hall here. I'm on Laser 103.3 on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio. It's a floor versus risky thing. Because yeah. it's like, you know, with David Montgomery, even Jameer Gibbs, that's who we're kind of talking about. Or let's take Ty Chandler, for example. I think he's going to be their, their starting running back in Minnesota for the next three years. I think he's going to be the guy. I really do. But he's so risky right now because we don't have a, lot, a big body of work. He had 130 yards and a touchdown last week but you're playing Detroit's defense and they're really stout up front. They are, you know, I mean, for me, that uh, risky high ceiling play is in play when you are behind early, 
Let's say you faced me, who has Kyron Williams and Puka yes. Nakua in yeah, Thursday got him night in this football, league. and they 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 killed it last night. Both of those guys, and you're behind the eight ball early on in your matchup, and you look up and down your your opponent's lineup, and you say to yourself, "He's got a better team than I do overall." At least that's what I think. So maybe that's when you take a couple of well, one or two of those dart throws, and I think maybe that's a good example of what you would consider in that case. Yeah, I, I think so, especially with Nick Mullins at quarterback. They're on quarterback four. I, I don't know. I'm He's on my bench. Don't worry. I'm not starting him. Yeah, I, I, don't I got know Aaron Jones starting over him. Plus, you know, you've got, uh, look, you, you have a situation in Minnesota, too, not to get too much into the weeds on this, but Kevin O'Connell, for some reason, just has this allegiance, this blind allegiance to uh, Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand it for the life of me because your home run hitter there is Ty Chandler. He's shown it. Uh, Alexander Madison, I don't think, had a run or a gain of 20 yards or more since, like, 2021 or something. And it was one carry, I think it was. So you look at Ty Chandler, who's had now multiple numbers of oh, those, yeah. whether they're runs or, re- or receptions, and, and you know, he went for at least 20 yards. But I think Madison's gone next year I, in Minnesota. I think I, he's a free agent or he's a backup somewhere. I don't know. If Kevin O'Connell likes his job in Minnesota, <laughs> he's going to let Ty Chandler <laughs> take that backfield because otherwise the Minnesota Vikings might be wise to look at somebody like a Brian Flores. Uh, three to five guys you're looking at right now. Give me a couple of names that are must plays. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey. Everyone knows you're going to play Christian McCaffrey, but who are you looking at to have huge games in week, I don't know what number we are of the playoffs, week 16. Yeah, I think this week, you know, let's start at the quarterback position, and I think your obvious play here is Josh Allen, Mm. and look at what he's been able to do recently. They let him be Josh Allen. He's being Josh Allen again, and he's taking on a a Los Angeles Chargers defense that gives up the fourth most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position, so really good matchup for him this week. I also like Baker Mayfield this week. What? When you didn't like him last week? I like Baker Mayfield <laughs> a lot. I, I had him in several leagues as a backup quarterback. And, you know, you, you are playing a matchup here in which Jacksonville gives up the third most fantasy fo- uh, points per game to the quarterback position. Is so, that game in Tampa? Uh, that game is in Tampa. In Tampa. Okay. All right. So a home game for him. And we've seen what he can do with the weapons he's got, particularly Mike Evans. Like, boy, were people just too quick to write off Mike Evans? Yeah. And look, he just keeps doing it. Ten years in the NFL, every year he's had a thousand yards. Yeah, I think stud. like the only people that have done that are like Jerry Rice, Moss, and T.O. And this season, if you were lucky enough to have drafted Mike Evans, uh, you probably got him super late, like eighth, fourth ninth, round, eighth, ninth, eighth, round. ninth round. Yeah, okay, I think so. I mean, okay, wow. Plus Godwin. I mean, Chris Godwin ate up the Packers last week. Yeah, Chris Godwin's a guy who's been here and there this season, which is a little odd. He for was him. healthy going. Finally, got healthy for Green Bay. Great. You know, the key <laughs> for Tampa this year has really been the uh, emergence of Rashad White in that running game for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, that opens up so much in that passing game, and their uh, protection of Baker Mayfield goes a long way too. Give me one more. Um, let's see, one more. Got to play. Must play. At the quarterback position? Surprise me. Dude, I, I can't. Play your studs. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't have another one, which I think, you know, you would go, boy, do I start this guy? Do I not start this guy? If you're in a position where you're still alive and you're starting, you're having to start a guy like Jake Browning, for example. How are you still alive? I'm just saying it has happened. You yeah. know, I've seen it in some of my leagues, in fact. So, uh, well, one of mine where I have Jake Brown <laughs> starting him this week. Um, <laughs> let's jump to the running back position, though, yeah. because there are some interesting names here, including Ezekiel Elliott. Bounce Talk back. about another guy who's been sort of written off as he moved over to the New England Patriots, who are, by the way, not a good team. No, um, but, but Stevenson hurt, right? That is correct. And we don't know if he's going to be playing this week or not. They are at Denver. Now, Denver's been trending upward. They've been playing a lot better of late. In the Sands last the four Detroit five game. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But they, they also still give up the most fantasy points per game to the running back position. So I like Jameer Gibbs went off last week. (laughs) I like Ezekiel Elliott a lot this week, actually. James Cook is another one whose arrow is up. And this is a guy who people were ready to write off. Buffalo, in fact, went out and signed Leonard Fournette at one Mm -hmm. point. Where's Leonard Fournette been since then? Is he still on the Bills? He's still on the Bills. I didn't know. I honestly did not know. Has not seen the field, however, because James Cook's been doing the job. And this week, James Cook gets that Los Angeles Chargers defense we just talked about, who are sieves in the passing game, of course, and James Cook can beat Mm -hmm. you there, too. But they also give up the fifth most fantasy points per game to running backs. Hope I'm not playing James Cook. Oh, I might be. Oh, no. Since the week 13 (laughs) bye, by the way, he's scored over 22 and over 35 fantasy points. Amazing. Yeah. Well, they changed offensive coordinators, and they decided to get him the football. And they're just, they're giving it to him. You know who's not getting the ball in Buffalo? Stephon Diggs. That's true. I traded for him, and he's been in single digits ever since I traded for him. I mean, that's the emergence of that rookie tight end, right? That's part of it. And then, you also, yep, and then you also have Gabe Davis, who's had a little bit of a resurgence this year. So I don't think it's a byproduct of Stefan Diggs, 
you know, taking a step back or regressing in any way, shape, or form. In fact, he may come back big this week. Uh, it's the Chargers. With the, against the Chargers, for sure. Yeah, and uh, jumping to the wide receiver position, again, start your studs here. I don't yeah. have anybody I'm going to tell you that's going to, you know, blow your mind. Oh, I should play Justin Jefferson, play huh? Play St. Brown, <laughs> Brown, play CeeDee Lamb, play Mike Evans, play A.J. Brown against those Giants. I mean, these are all guys you should be rolling with. Yeah, I, I think A.J. Brown has a huge game. I, I, think, I, think, I think Jalen Hurts and company are sick and tired of hearing that they're not contenders anymore. And they just got through Dallas, Dallas, uh, who else did they play? The Niners. There was another one in. I mean, they had a rough stretch. The Chiefs were in there, yeah. and then out west in Seattle. So now they get the Giants two times out of three. Yeah, and look at the comparison between who Dallas still has remaining on their schedule. They've got a little bit of a meat grinder coming. They got Miami the final, this weekend on the games. road, and, and as opposed to Philadelphia, who I think is going to end up becoming the winner of the NFC East and yeah. get that either two or three seed, depending on how Detroit finishes. Who do we avoid? Who should you not play? Is there anybody you don't like this weekend? Yeah, I mean, and these are obvious names, too. I wouldn't start any of the Houston uh, pass, passers, whoever it happens to be this week, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Case Keenum. You're, you're not Cleveland starting defense. any of them. You're, yeah, exactly. They're facing Cleveland, and plus their wide receiver core has absolutely been decimated by injury. I don't even know if Stroud's playing. I, I know he had these in concussion protocol. I'm not even sure if he's going to be playing or not this week. I also would not play Russ Wilson this week. I, he's got the New England defense, and, you know, that New England defense – they always they focus on the one area that can actually hurt them. And I think Russ Wilson might be the only thing that okay. can actually hurt them in that Denver offense. So All right. I'm not starting Russ, and I'm not starting Jordan Love, Jordan Love this week either, for that matter. My options are Jordan Love or Kyler Murray. And Kyler's playing the Niners. Jordan Love's playing at Carolina. Like, I, my options are limited right now. They are, but at least Or I can with, pick up Taylor Heineke. At least with <laughs> Kyler Murray, you have a, a little bit of a, a rushing floor there. So, mm-hmm. if you know, if, you, if it's a, a type of league and you're scoring where, you know, rushing quarterbacks yeah. tend to do better, then you might consider Kyler Murray this week against the Niners. Playing in for a toilet bowl championship. I mean, they're going to be playing from behind, right? There's no way that they're, you know, going to no. be out in front of San, San no. Francisco. So. Kyler Murray's going to have to be moving around. He's going to be throwing the ball a lot. Let's just hope he doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Uh, In the next couple of weeks, there's going to be somebody that we're going to be talking about next spring, next summer when we get into drafts, whether it's redrafts or dynasty drafts. Is there somebody getting ready to pop that, you know, we're not talking about? Well, or a sleeper (laughs) that maybe you know about. I was going to say, until you brought him up, I was thinking maybe you wouldn't, but Ty Chandler is one of those guys for (laughs) me, funny enough, in this category. So, Ty Chandler is a guy who we've seen able to, he's a home run hitter. I mean, the guy Mm -hmm. is given the opportunity. Let's say he gets those 20 carries a game that Minnesota wants to give to the running back, right? Let's say Alexander Mm -hmm. Madison is expendable and they get rid of him and make Ty Chandler their primary back. I think he's sitting on a really nice season next year. I think he's going to be a top 15 running back. Our boy, Paul Charchian, a big fan of Ty Chandler. Yeah. I wrote his advice to the waiver wire a month ago, and Chandler's been sitting there. And now it's like, let's unleash him. Let's go. Now's the time. Uh, Rashad White, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, uh, this year has really been kind of a coming out party for for Rashad White. Um, and I think in that Tampa offense, like I said, he not only has been doing the job as a runner and a pass catcher, but also uh, he opens up that passing game quite a bit. So that's led to benefits for for both Baker Mayfield and all those receivers as well. And then James Cook, again, we're right back to who all these people we've been talking about. So I'm not surprising you with anybody here. These right. are all guys that have shown up, some of them later than others. And James Cook in recent weeks has looked absolutely dynamite. All right. Any other advice for the playoffs for those that are still alive and down to the final four in their fantasy football championships? I just think you got to keep it simple in situations like this. And we sort of, you know, made mention earlier of see where you're at. If, if somebody had a big night on Thursday night mm-hmm. last night, you might want to take some chances with your lineup just to kind of make up for that, right? Yeah. If you feel strongly about your lineup as is, then roll with it because these are guys that you've been rolling with all year long and they got you into these playoffs and where you are now. The last thing I'm going to add here is I have an MVP pick for this year and his name is Brock Purdy. Yep, I agree. Brock Purdy's going to win the MVP. I think you're probably right. McCaffrey will win Offensive Player of the Year. Yep. Purdy will win MVP. Uh, you know what? Uh, Trey Lance couldn't do this with this offense. Jimmy G didn't do this with this offense. Purdy did. There's a difference. We were like, oh, he's a game manager in Shanahan's system. Nobody else was able to be this good in this system. Yep. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. Who do you got? Stroud, right? CJ Stroud. I think he's the top three in passing yards in the NFL, right? 
it could be him. It could be Puka Nakua. It, I mean, I mean Nakua. A, what a great story. Nakua is about to break the record for rookie pa- rookie receiving yards. So Jordan Addison's right up there with the number of touchdowns yeah. he scored in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great options here. We're not mentioning it all because his coach sucks. Is Bijan Robinson? The hell happened in Atlanta? Well, you know what happened, <laughs> Arthur Smith. <laughs> oh my God! I've been on these airwaves how many times with yeah. you? And Arthur Smith is absolutely a cancer for that team. Yes. They need to get rid of him. I, they need to get rid of him yesterday. BJ Ro- Bijan Robinson should have 25 touches a game minimum. 100%. I don't care how it happens. Get him the get him the football. FantasyNation.com on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio. Hear him on Laser 103.3. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Best of luck. Best of luck to all of you. Good and, luck. Uh, since I'm not playing you, I I hope you win. Oh, sweet. Thank you. I'll <laughs> tell that to our web designer. Pains me. <laughs> One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. My thanks again to Andy Hall. For some fantasy football talk, fantasynation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio. Kira, Merry Christmas to you. How are you? Oh, fine. Awkward? <laughs> Awkward, hello, I'm sure. And the microphone up above their head up here. Uh, but it is good to be here. We were off last week because uh, Drake Women's Basketball. And we're back on now, and it's good to be here. Coming up. Matt Stafford, still good, all right? Still really, really good. Dropping dimes last night on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and we will also get to kind of a trending thing that's been going on all over social media uh, that I had Kara, uh, Kara actually do some some homework on. So I'm proud of you for getting getting involved with that. The story, there have been so many stories over the last few weeks that I've wanted to talk about. I missed out on last week's show. And... I think I was out the week before too. Didn't I have a sick kid? I had a sick kid, and then I had we had the the Drake women's game. So I've been on for a couple of weeks, uh, and so two weeks ago, had I been here, I, I had I was ready to go talking about Florida State and the college football playoff. And there's more developing on Florida State that I want to get to coming up in just a bit, uh, if I have time. I mean, baseball is just getting to the point where it's just not fair. You know, like, and, and I know someone's going to counter that. I'm talking about the Shohei Otani deal, and I'm talking about the uh, the other pitcher, the other Japanese pitcher whose name we're all going to learn, I'm sure, that the Dodgers just signed. But it's just not fair, man. Like, baseball is becoming, and granted, the Dodgers don't win every year. The Yankees don't win every year. But it's hard to get excited about the hot stove season in baseball when your team can't compete financially. So we'll get to that coming up. But one of the stories that grabbed me this week was George Pickens. If you haven't heard about this story yet, George Pickens is a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Incredible talent coming out of Georgia a year ago, right? Great talent. The knock on George Pickens was that he is not a good teammate, doesn't always put in the effort, doesn't play hard all the time. And those things have kind of been rumbling. And this year, specifically last week, it was on full display. Absolute, 100% full display, all right? There was a play at the... Now, Pittsburgh's lost three in a row, and I know that their season isn't going the way that most Steelers fans uh, watch their seasons go traditionally. You know, you had Chuck Knoll, four Super Bowls, handed the reins off to Bill Cowher. They were great, won a Super Bowl. Handed the reins off to Mike Tomlin. He's won a Super Bowl. They've had three coaches in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've had three coaches. The Bears have had like 22 (laughs) or something ridiculous. But there was the game last week where George Pickens and every red flag that we had been reading about, every red flag we had been hearing about, and every red flag that the media had been talking about came to fruition. Uh, Linebacker, I'm sorry, running back Jalen Warren running off to the left side, there's two defenders between Warren and the end zone. I think they start the play on like the 15 or the 12 or something like that, right? One guy takes the one of the Indianapolis tacklers out of the way, and then there's Pickens on the outside. And it's the worst effort you've ever seen. Like he puts his hand up and it doesn't matter, and the guy just brushes Pickens off. He doesn't even attempt to make a block. 
Warren gets tackled short of the goal line by the guy that Pickens did not block. And it's been viral. Maybe you've seen the video by now. Uh, it's terrible effort. Also, in that same game, by the way, there was an interception that was thrown by Pittsburgh. Guy starts running back. Kenny Pick, uh, 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 George Pickens makes zero effort to tackle the guy as he runs right by him. It's kind of like James Harden playing defense. It doesn't happen. But back to the play at the goal line that didn't happen, that didn't turn into a score that helped lead to a loss for Pittsburgh. George Pickens was in the locker room, and this was the answer he actually gave. Like, I needed to find the audio. I couldn't paraphrase it for you. This was the actual answer he gave of why he did not block for his teammate. I was just trying to uh, prevent the Tank Dell situation, the same thing that happened to Tank Dell. Uh, I didn't want to get an injury. Uh, you know, when you stay on the block too long, you can get ran up on very easily. So. There's some people questioning your effort. There's yeah, some all the people that's questioning my effort, down, 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 play football, they do what y'all do. All right, let's split this into two here. He didn't want the Tank Dell situation. Tank Dell was a lead, was a stupidly a lead blocker on a goal line running play for the Houston Texans. Somebody came up, broke his leg, and the star rookie wide receiver is out for the year. That is the reason why you let your man, you left your man hang out to dry. That is the reason you didn't block the defender. You were worried about an injury. Oh, man, oh man, that is a cancer in a locker room. That is how you lose faith and trust in a locker room. I'm not going to block for you because I might get hurt. And this wasn't some exotic, crazy plan. This was literally, we're running of the run play to the left. Block the defender. Block the defensive back. It's not like he asked you to take on some gigantic linebacker. Pickens is a smaller wide receiver. And he gave that answer of why he didn't do it. So if I'm Jalen Warren, and on a pass play, it's my responsibility to pick up a blitzing linebacker. So George Pickens can run free and get down the field, and Kenny Pickett or whoever their quarterback is can find the wide receiver. Imagine Jalen Warren saying, well, I didn't feel like picking up that blitzer. That's why I let my quarterback get killed. That's why we couldn't get the ball to the wide receiver, because I didn't want to get hurt. This is football. You are either all on the same page, or you are going to sink together. It was a disgusting play. More on the second half of that comment where he basically blames the media because if all else fails, you just blame the media, right? We'll get to that coming up. But what about a guy who played in Pittsburgh? One of the faces of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Won a Super Bowl with Pittsburgh. Jerome Bettis was on the Dan Patrick show, and he was asked about how he would help out George Pickens. I will pull him to the side and say, come on, man, listen, we all in this together. If you want me to block that linebacker when it's a blitz so he can get the ball to you, I want you to do the same for me. So you want to you wanna express to them the importance of, you know, each and every play, right? And so I, you can come down on them in the media, uh, but I promise you that's not going to turn his switch on. It's going to be you putting your arm around him and say, hey, man, listen, we all in this together. And if you look good, we all look good. If you look bad, we all look bad. That's the bottom line. I think that's part of the... What about the other guy in the locker room? All right, now you would think like maybe a wide receiver. Deontay Johnson just did something similar a couple of weeks ago. Like there's a lot going wrong in the Pittsburgh locker room right now. Bettis was asked about what Mike Tomlin's role is. It's a fine line. The head coach, it's hard for him to be the buddy too, right? So he's got to be the heavy in this particular role. You need someone internally in that locker room that can pull him aside and say, listen, man, I'm in this, I'm in the same boat that you're in. I'm with you. And so the head coach can't necessarily play that role. That's why you you need that strong leader offensively that can pull him aside and say, look, man. We all getting hammered here. Here's the deal. We all got to put more effort in. We all have to do this. And the key word is we. And when you don't have that person saying we, that's where it, it falls apart. And to Bettis's point, like this is such a young team on offense and a dysfunctional team on offense. They don't have that guy. Like Pittsburgh always had Big Ben. Pittsburgh had some good players, always had great players on defense. But on offense this year, Pittsburgh is rudderless. They don't have a leader. Kenny Pickett doesn't appear to be a guy who can play it at a high level in the NFL. Nobody's going to buy in. Everybody's angry because Kenny Pickett can't get him the football. Najee Harris 
first round running back a couple of years ago. I don't know if that guy's a leader. Jalen Warren, is he a leader? He's very young. I think he's in his second year at Oklahoma State. So it has got to be a fine line. Somebody in that locker room has to be the locker room glue guy. Maybe they don't have one right now. Maybe it's somebody on the offensive line. To take Pickens aside and say, bro, we, we, got, we got to have a talk here, buddy. Speaking of Mike Tomlin, one of only three guys to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When he was asked about this, he politely says that Pickens is not a finished product. He is very much a work in progress. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be one incident or, or one meeting or one form of discipline uh, that's going to institute the type of change that we're hunting, to be quite honest with you. It is going to be continual. He is aware of that. We meet on a routine basis. We met last Wednesday. He and I, we met again today. I would like him to be more professional in terms of addressing some of his shortcomings with you guys to further add fluidity to the process. He's not helping himself. He's not helping the process um, in the manner in which he's dealt with you guys. But the manner in which he deals with you guys is not necessarily the manner in which he deals with us or himself regarding I I actually find that to be an incredibly enlightening cut. I I find that audio to be incredibly interesting because Tomlin's basically saying, look, we are talking about him getting more mature on the field. We are talking about him being more of a team player. We are talking with uh, Pickens about being a guy that brings a locker room together and doesn't divide a locker room. We are having that discussion. We are also talking about the way he treats media members because you heard the cut earlier. The first, the second half of the George Pickens cut was the only people who are saying he's not giving effort are people who haven't played the game. People who don't play football, media members. And he looks at a guy and he says, you he looks at one of the members in the Pittsburgh Steelers media. Bro, just because I didn't play doesn't mean I can't watch you half-ass a block. Not even ass, not even try to block the Colts defensive back. I don't need to have played college football like George Pickens did at Georgia to know that that was a crap effort. That that was an effortless effort is what that was. Coming up more on this, Bill Cowher commented on this. The other guy recently to be a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mel Kuyper tried to warn us. That's next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One oh two one FM. 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. Happy Friday. Merry Christmas. This is Wicket's World. Coming up, I'm going to see if I have time to get to Florida State. A viral trend, and I have a surprise for our producer, Kira, that they don't know about. You don't know about this yet. (laughs) Are you ready? No. I know you're not ready. Congratulations. We found a new producer. (laughs) No, 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 no. God, no. Did you see me 20 minutes before this show? I was a disaster running around here. Can't find an amplifier, an adapter for my headphones. Where is the cut sheet? Can we get this video ready? I was, I, no, Kira. Oh my God. I take a pay cut to keep you. Um, we got three bowl games coming your way tomorrow, by the way. Is it the Camellia Bowl? Is that right? Camellia. Camellia Bowl. Northern Illinois and Arkansas State. That's early at 1030. The Potato Bowl, Georgia State and Utah State. And then late, we go out west to the Hawaii Bowl. We've got Carolina and San Jose State. So if you're up for live sports while you're driving around doing that last-minute Christmas shopping, if you want to listen to college football, right here, 102.1 FM, 1350 ESPN Des Moines. And then on your last, last day, assuming you don't have family over, maybe you do, just crank up. Lions-Vikings right here Sunday. We got the Vikings game along with the, uh, the Detroit Lions. If Detroit wins, they win the North, and they host a playoff game for the first time since 1993. Are you kidding me? I was 12. Lions haven't hosted a playoff game that long. My gosh. They haven't been in the playoffs in six years. Something like that. Uh, But we got that one for you coming up on Sunday. That's the early kick. 11 a.m. coverage right here on ESPN Des Moines. Uh, Talking more about George Pickens. A receiver I would not want on my football team. The not coming out of college was that he is not a good locker room guy, not a great teammate. And that's why he fell to the second round. Tremendously talented. And by the way, didn't they just do this with Antonio Brown? Didn't they just do this with Antonio Brown? And they had Plaxico Burris. What is going on with the Steelers 
and their questionable judgment when it comes to their wide receivers. Great talents on the field, but there is a fact. And that goes against everything the Steelers have always been about. Team, unity, culture. You know, we talk about heat culture in the NBA. Steelers culture or the Patriot way. Pittsburgh has always had that. Again, the thing about Pittsburgh that has been so impressive, stability. Three coaches in like 60 years. Stability. Nothing rocks the boat. And here's another wide receiver rocking the boat. If you missed it, he completely didn't. I can't even say he whiffed because there wasn't even effort to block for his running back, Jalen Warren, on a play. Now the questions are coming because that defender basically just flicked George Pickens away or just ran away from him. Pickens didn't even try to block him. He tackles Jalen Warren. They don't score the touchdown. Pittsburgh loses the game. They've dropped three in a row. That's the kind of thing that can blow up a locker room, that can create divide between this young, hot shot, 22-year-old wide receiver, Diva, who thinks he's great. And it's a bit of frustrating two years for Pittsburgh's offense. We all understand that. But here's more from Steeler head coach Mike Tomlin uh, because he was hit with more questions about George Pickens. Mike, last week you said that George's frustrations were productive and that's something you wanted to change. You've had a conversation with him. How did you feel like he responded in the game on Saturday? I thought he was better, but still has obviously room for continued improvement. Mike, there was a player, Jalen Warren, was rushing down to the goal line. Here and George Pickens wasn't finishing a block there. Is there is there a, a discipline or an effort that you that you have to get more out of him and other That's That's one of the examples that I'm talking about in terms of still obvious room for improvement. <laughs> What a nice coach speak way because he's not Mike Tomlin's not going to drag his guy through the mud. That's an example of where a guy needs improvement. Yeah. No crap. No crap. So remember he went after the media Pickens goes after the media saying the only people who are questioning my effort, my ability are people like you. And he's looking at a member of the media, you know, a nerd, a pencil pusher, somebody like me because we didn't play college ball. We didn't play in the national football league. So God, how can we even question your effort or lack thereof, ESPN's Brooke Pryor. It's hard to hear that and say, yeah, he's right, because that criticism, the call's coming from inside the house. Mike Tomlin is the one that said just two weeks ago that George's frustrations and emotions were a problem because they were, quote, not solution-oriented. And a lot of the criticism that Pickens has gotten have been from former players. Yeah, it has. It has. I mean, we, we played Jerome Bettis earlier. Coming up, I'm going to play you Bill Cower, a guy that had the job before Mike Tomlin had the job. Before that, though, there are a lot of people who wondered, how did George Pickens slip into the second round of the NFL draft two years ago? They were really good players. Chris Olave was in that draft. Uh, my Packers took Christian Watson ahead of uh, George Pickens. There were some other good ones in there. I could run through the whole draft. It would bore you. But there was a reason why. Tremendous talent. Now, if you are going to be the malcontent that George Pickens is, you had better be Randy Moss good, right? Like we knew the problems with Randy coming out of Marshall back in 97, but Randy was, you knew Randy was going to be great. He was a freak at Marshall and he's arguably top three wide receiver of all time, wherever you want to put him. Bryce, Randy, T.O. Those are the big three for me. Your list could be different. I don't care. But the red flags are the reason why, according to ESPN's Mel Kuyper, and he warned us why Pickens slipped to the second round. First-round talent, and he was not a first-round pick. And when you see that happen, there's a reason. And that's what happens when you get to the second. You say, okay, that is more palatable point of the draft. Where's that point in time where you can say, we can bring this player in, bet on the talent, bet on maturity, because these kids are young, okay, when they're having some issues, grow up, mature, get him in a culture, in that locker room, and the Steelers thought they could do that. And that's what teams think they can do once you get to the second, third-round area, sometimes even later than that. This was a first-round caliber player that should have been drafted within the first 10 to 15 picks. We saw it with other players over the years. Some have panned out and become great players that had issues going into the draft and dropped because of it. I give a lot of examples of that. But in case of Pickens, it was the culture of the Steelers in that locker room thinking, hey, we can maximize all the talent this kid has. He's a top 10 caliber talent. We get him in the second round. Hey, it's a roll of dice, but it's really risk reward. And they felt at that point it's certainly worth any risk. And the risk is, is minimized because of where he went. Well, Pickens belongs in a Raiders uniform. Don't, don't we all agree on that? Like, doesn't he belong with the dysfunction that is the Las Vegas, Oakland, Los Angeles Raiders? Isn't that where he actually belongs? He doesn't belong in Pittsburgh or once upon a time, New England or with my Packers. 
No, 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 no. He belongs with the Raiders. That's where George Pickens, ironically enough, that's where Antonio Brown went. But that's where he actually belongs. And when it comes to the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers, nobody represents the sustained lifelong culture more than Bill Cowher. It is disappointing to see and hear what George Pickens talks about because culture really is about commitment and sacrifice. And, you know, you're not just playing with one another, you're playing for one another. And no, I could never imagine a player at all not performing and, and giving everything because to me, it's all about effort. We're going to make mistakes. I get it. Sometimes we don't make the right call, but the one thing that should never be questioned is your effort and your ability to be there for your teammate, picking somebody up. So that is very bothersome. I think there's got to be consequences to that. We'll see what happens with it. And he's going to be held accountable because you have to have accountability. And you don't do anything and there's no consequence to the choice that he made. Now you're losing accountability. And I think that's a very, very important element to have in that building. And I go back to what I said earlier, too. I mean, imagine coming, imagine Jalen Warren or Najee Harris or whoever saying they didn't feel like picking up the block because they want to get hurt. And that that edge rusher blows right by Jalen Warren or Najee Harris and crushes Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett or whatever. And, and it doesn't matter if Pickens was open or not. They couldn't get the playoff. You know why? Because Warren was thinking about himself. That didn't happen with Warren. That's what happened with Pickens. I'm glad this guy's not on my Green Bay Packers. I am, I'm thrilled this guy doesn't play for me. Tremendous talent. We all know that guy, right? Million-dollar arm, 10-cent head. Don't we say that about a lot of, about a lot of uh, pitchers? Can't, ha- can't focus. Football cannot have these kinds of cracks in the locker room. You cannot do that. There's dysfunction all around the NFL with, you know, relationships, this and that. But on game day, you are playing as one. You're playing as 11 on 11. You're playing as the 53-man roster. You are playing as an organization. You're not playing for I. That's how you win Super Bowls. The Steelers will not win with this dude. By the way, I do want to get to something that does unify a locker room, and that's Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. Have you heard this rant? Now, there are, this is awesome. I was always unsold on Mike McDaniel, all right? First off, he's a head coach and he's a millennial. So that already is a bunch of red flags, right? And I'm a millennial. I'm 42. I'm older than Mike McDaniel. I'm the cusp of millennialism, all right? By four months, I'm a millennial or else I would have been Gen X. And Mike McDaniel's quirky. He's weird. He's kind of kind of got that. I listened to a great podcast called The Play Callers. It's about... Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, all coming from the Shanahan tree. It's brilliant. It's called the Play Callers. I recommend it. Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams, uh, she put it together. It's so good. She did such an excellent job with that. So Mike McDaniel, quirky, weird. Delivery is a little bit different. Smart as hell, though. These guys that come from the Shanahan tree, they're geniuses. I believe Matt LaFleur is that guy. Kyle Shanahan, obviously, that guy. Sean McVay, that guy. And Mike McDaniel is talking to his team, all right? And one of the things that you always want from your head coach is accountability. You want someone to say, this is on me, as opposed to saying, well, I don't know, my head coach, Matt LaFleur, earlier this week was talking about miscommunication. You know, there's a communication issue, which basically put the blame back on the players when he was questioned about Joe Barry and his terrible defense week in and week out, who just made Baker Mayfield the second straight NFC player of the week right after Tommy Bleepin' DeVito did it the week before. I digress. But Mike McDaniel talking to his team. Now imagine you're in the room and there's the whole Miami Dolphin team. Big auditor- like auditorium, like college size classroom. Huge screen. Mike McDaniel standing in front of it and he's running it off his laptop and they're running, they're running through some plays. And Mike McDaniel, every coach has an ego, right? You would think that. Mike McDaniel is having a, hey, we're in this together moment. Listen to this. I know who's in this room and what we're going to make of it. You with me? So we're going to hit this and like, if it's brutal, yeah, bring that okay? Because we're trying to do something today that other people won't. Let's just look at it straight in the eyes. It's pretty simple. We lost the game up for 15 different reasons and I have my hand fully in this Okay? Trash plan on my part. Against their zero, there's better than having to throw a fadeaway jumper. Okay? Now, I've got a quarterback trying to overcompensate for me. I never see Tua miss any throws. I never have to coach him on throws, but 
the opportunities we had. Whoa, <laughs> And that's what's happening a lot is overcompensating for your teammates. An elite player trying to take the game in his hands. A heavy turn to try to pick this dude off. Which I appreciate the intent, but let's learn from this Understand that we can trust each other. That was probably the quarterback's best play. That happened, okay? Don't worry about it, just keep playing. Yeah, I called some trash plays. That will happen. Just like you'll have bad plays. You know what man? Is that I don't blink at that nor do I avoid it. I'm gonna learn from that You don't get mad, you don't get, you don't get sad. That okay? We learn lessons, okay? We're about to get ready for the Jets. Adios. And he hits a button and everybody leaves the room. He hits this, like, the easy button from Staples or whatever, and everybody leaves the room. And the, the looks on the faces of the guys, like, that's how you, that, that coach has that team. That coach, Mike McDaniel, has his roster because he's taken blame for it. Far too often, coaches have this ego that they can't do anything wrong. Uh, it's your fault. It's your fault. I love that. And I, I don't know if Matt LaFleur, head coach of my Packers, does that, but I hope he does. Mike McDaniel, I'm a fan. If I if if LaFleur ever leaves, I want Mike McDaniel coaching in Green Bay. Coming up, I made Kira, our producer, do some homework. Also, I have a surprise for Kira. Are you excited? I'm, I'm scared. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Friday. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Going to be a very busy day tomorrow here on ESPN Des Moines. You got three bowl games for you: the Camellia Bowl. Did I say it right that time? The Camellia Bowl, uh, Arkansas State and Northern Illinois. That's at ten thirty tomorrow. The Idaho Potato Bowl comes your way. Georgia State and Utah State right after, and then tomorrow night it is the uh, Hawaii Bowl. And weirdly enough, Hawaii not playing in the Hawaii Bowl. Coastal Carolina and San Jose State. Sunday, we're going to have the Vikings and the Lions right here on ESPN. But huge game, huge game in the National Football League coming up on uh, on Sunday. All right, so I have not been on the air the last two weeks. I had a sick kid, and then last Friday we had Drake Women's Basketball. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to be back. I don't know, real quick before I surprise Kira, our producer, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Florida State got screwed by the college football playoff committee. I know some people are going to disagree with that, and that's fine. Uh, you don't go 13-0 in a Power 5. I don't care when Jordan Travis got hurt. But you don't go 13-0 out of a Power 5, win your conference championship game over a top 15 team, and get left out of the college football playoff. I think it's garbage. I think it's terrible. And I think what Florida State is doing right now, they're supposed to be playing Georgia, in the Orange Bowl. Back in my day, Kira, when I was growing up, if you were playing in the Orange Bowl, it was a big deal. Huge deal. We didn't have the college football playoff. We had bowl games. We had bowl and poll. We had the two polls. We had all the bowl games. And then the voters figured it out. And everybody hated everybody. But at least the bowl games mattered. Like a lot of these bowl games, like the Orange Bowl, doesn't it has no cachet like it used to when I was growing up. And I was born in 81. So Florida State... Gets the Orange Bowl bid. They have every opportunity to prove that they should have been in the college football playoff because they get Georgia, the defend two-time defending champs, the team that was number one all year long, the team that a lot of people say just because they lost to Bama in the SEC championship game should have gotten in, but they didn't. Georgia got screwed as well. So it's going to be Florida State without their Heisman caliber quarterback, Jordan Travis, whose ankle had went gruesomely the wrong way. Take it on Georgia. That's what was supposed to happen. Well, we know Travis isn't going to play. He's got the injury. Listen to this. Their top wide receivers, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, both out. They've opted out. They decided not to play. Jaheim Bell, their star tight end, out, deciding not to play, opting out. Defensive lineman Jared Verse, opting out. Defensive lineman Fabian Lovett, opting out. Linebacker DJ Lundy, transfer. Now, coincidentally, 
Florida State's Board of Trustees is having an emergency meeting right now as we speak. And the reason they are doing it is because they want out of the ACC. Because they're not happy that the ACC didn't fight hard enough that the, 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 the front man for the ACC was on the committee to pick the Final Four, didn't fight hard enough, and didn't get Florida State into the college football championship. They lost a ton of money. They lost out on $10 million. And they're angry. They're very, very angry. Now, they don't make as much money as the SEC, and they don't make as much money as the Big Ten. And apparently, if you win their conference, it doesn't matter. You can't go to the college football playoff. Now, all of that kind of gets extinguished next year because we get a 12-team playoff. But there were rumors that Florida State was just going to boycott this bowl game altogether because there aren't a lot of people that would give them much of a chance against Georgia. Now, without all those players, why watch it? And you know what? If that's the attitude you want to take, okay, you did a smart thing. Because where is it going to hurt the most? Playing the game, getting your ass kicked by Georgia? Mm, probably not. Not playing. Smaller viewership. People tuning out by midway through the second quarter because none of these star players are in it. That hurts their pocketbook. That hurts their advertisers. The fewer eyes on the game. Like, I have no interest in watching the Orange Bowl. None. I was before because I wanted to see an angry Florida State team with their backup quarterback try to shock the world and beat the two-time defending champs. Now, probably not. It's going to be low rated. I mean, it'll be rated, get a good rating, but it could have been so much better if Florida State didn't take that. And I don't blame them. They're angry. They're mad. They got screwed. They won every game. They beat LSU. They won their conference championship game. They should have gotten in. But they didn't. They did not. It'll all be changed next year. They would have gotten in if we had the 12-team playoff like we get next year. But All right. Uh, so, Kira, I got you a Christmas present. I got you a Christmas present. I know. What? I did. This is for you right here. Look, I went to... <laughs> see? I went over to um, uh, Ray Gun and picked this up for you. That is oh. for you. Merry Christmas, Kira, for all that you do. Thank to you. To keep me in line. <laughs> to keep me on the air. Should I open it? You can open it, yeah. Oh, yeah, my god, For sure. It's uh, from Raygun, the greatest store in the universe. Oh, wow. That's what their, their website says. Uh, but what Kira does to podcast and promo and keep the show on the air and to make sure that I'm not running around like a chicken with their head cut off too much here at the radio station. Uh, I got that for you. You can <laughs> you can read. It's a T-shirt if you'd like to. I can show it and you can read it. The people I'll show it on the, the watch it on the Facebook, <laughs> but this is what it says. Member of the sinister media reporting what goes on. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought you might appreciate Thank that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Merry Christmas. Yeah, wicked. You're welcome. Aw. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> don't cry. Oh, look, there's also the sticker on the, the wrapping paper was for I you saw too. That. I That's don't, not getting read that, out loud. That people will get upset if you read that sticker. <laughs> Half the country will hate it. <laughs> I can't tell you which half, but half the country will hate <laughs> that sticker if you read it. Uh, but thank you for all that you do uh, for this show, for this station. I could not do this without you, and I would have a lot less sleep if I did do it without you. So thank you very much. Oh, wow. And the Grinch's heart grew three <laughs> sizes that day. <laughs> there was a trending thing going on all over the, uh, the Internet. And I don't know if you saw this, but we stole it over on Laser. And we put it up on our Facebook page. Thought I'd end the show in a little non-sports here. Some stuff <laughs> for you. Uh, I want to run through this with you. Okay. Because I know you are a big fan of going to concerts. <laughs> uh -huh. I know you love people. <laughs> but there were nine questions. First, can uh, first concert, last concert, worst concert, loudest concert, best concert, concert you've seen the most, most surprising, the next concert you're going to, and the concert you wish you could have seen. Let's go one at a time. Okay. What was your first concert? A Guitar Hero 3 competition in Columbia, Missouri. I'm oh, counting it. That counts? It counts, I think. All right. Mine was New Kids on the Block in 1989. <laughs> All right. My sister was, I was eight, so she would have been 13. And we were we went to see them in Los Angeles. So we, we drove, we were living in San Diego at the time, drove to L.A. to see NKOTB. Wow. I have since seen them three times with my wife, but uh, last concert you went to? Uh, Avatar. Okay. All right. Was that the well? 
No, it was Woolies. Woolies, got it, got it. Uh, Theory of a Dead Man and Skillet for me, the new Vibrant Musical. Theory was so good. With all due respect to Skillet, Theory of a Dead Man (laughs) should have been the headliner. But I actually, for the sake of getting sleep, it was a Sunday show. (laughs) A thrilled Theory of a Dead Man went on early. Uh, Worst concert you ever been to? Uh, Any middle school band concert. Okay, okay. (laughs) I was hauling oats. Really? I was so disappointed. We were living in Kansas City. And train opened for Hall and Oates. Now, you know every train song. I don't care who you are. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know at least five train songs. And train was really good. And then Hall and Oates comes on, and we're sitting floor. We're about 20 rows back, and it was boring. Like, ev- you can tell what? they hate each other. You can tell they're not friends. And then every song had like a six minute guitar solo. And I was just like, shut up and play Rich Girl. But. <laughs> I, I got, we got done with the show and there were other people we were there with that were sitting in different sections and they all felt the same way. Mm. Very disappointing because I was so excited to see Hall & Oates. Oh, Loudest God. concert you ever went to. Guar. Rolling Stones. <laughs> At the Super Bowl when the Steelers oh. played the Seahawks. I was up high in the media area, maybe because I was so high it was bouncing off the roof at uh, Ford Field in Detroit. So loud. <laughs> Are you going back to Guar? They're playing in Dav. Davenport? I think Ooh. they're playing in Davenport. I didn't know that. Check out laser1033.com, <laughs> our concert and events page. Uh, best concert you ever went to? It's a tie okay. between between Avatar or the Dropkick Murphys when they came and played their acoustic set from oh, their new album. Okay. It was on my birthday. That was at Hoyt Sherman, right? Yeah, it was so cool. cool. It was so good. Swedish House Mafia, United Center in Chicago. I was on the floor. That was great. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Swedish House Mafia. All right. Uh, what what act have you seen the most? Uh, unfortunately, middle school bands. Okay, same <laughs> middle answer. Middle school band concerts. Uh, a DJ by the name of Grizz I have seen a ton. Most surprising act you've seen. Best, my most surprising concert. The Dropkick Murphys concert. That one? Mm-hmm. Have you seen them not do the acoustic? No. Okay, Never. I've seen them uh, at the Milwaukee Admirals games. At intermission, I saw them actually at Waterworks Park with uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh. I was there physically, but not mentally. Uh, most surprising for me, Alice Cooper. Oh. This year, Alice Cooper. Yeah. I had not seen him when he played with uh, Zombie oh, at the man. Well. Next concert you're going to. Hopefully Flogging Molly. Disturbed. Mm. I want to see Falling in Reverse so bad. I've seen Disturbed now twice, mm-hmm. but I want to see Falling in Reverse. And the concert you wish you could have gone to in your life. Uh, Death Clock when they were in Omaha. I don't know what that is. That's uh, fine. We can talk about it later. <laughs> Mine's Elton John. Uh, I, I know he's not going to do it. When he was in town? Lee got my wife. last time? My wife got me tickets. We what were going to go, but it was on the same night as my flight to go visit my dad, who's not in the greatest of health. So I wanted oh. to go spend the weekend with him. And she's like, oh, by the way, I got you tickets for this. I'm like, oh, by the way, that's my flight to Detroit. Uh, what? It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> And say so your family's more important. Family's much more important. Okay. We are out of here. That is going to be it. That's not going to work. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate Kareth. Again, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for all you have done for the show. Uh, we have got college football on all day tomorrow. We got the Vikings and the Lions coming up on Sunday. Thank you for listening. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World.